Well, hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to my podcast. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries. I want to thank you so much for checking out this teaching and checking out my podcast. I have other teachings uh, on this podcast as well. We're all about teaching the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I believe in these last days, there's such an onslaught against the righteousness of God and and those principles that represent uh, the righteousness of God in these last days and God's people, that uh, we really need to be rooted and grounded into the Word of God. We need to be founded upon the Word of God in these last days to take our stand and so that we can live for and proclaim the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. And that's why I do this. I love teaching and preaching the Word of God. You know, I feel that my call is to encourage those who are members of the church, the body of Christ, to grow in Christ, to be strong, and to share with others all that we learn and our experiences and, above all, the Word of God that we learn. Because it's the Word of God that's going to cause believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, number one, to follow after Him, and number two, to stand strong when it seems that all else is going against you. So thank you so much. Again, I'm with Harvest Celebration Ministries, and um, we reach into India. We work with G.P. Samuel there and uh, lots of pastors in India, and we work in Honduras with Pastor Manfredi Zelaya, and um, we sponsor children uh, who are needy, and we allow people to be sponsors uh, for a small price every month that would cause them uh, to have school clothes and school supplies, school shoes, uh, food at different times of the month, and also a special gift at Christmas time. So if you want to check us out, we're at www.harvcell.com. That's H-A-R-V-C-E-L.com. Today I want to talk to you about uh, coming after Jesus. And I'm going to be teaching from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And it says this, He, Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Verse 36, For what does a man profit, or what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So we're going to talk about what it is to come after Jesus. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me. I'll talk more about that phrase in just a moment or two. But I want you to understand that the message of the gospel is more than a short message that concludes with a short prayer that causes a person to be saved so they will go to heaven and not go to hell. It's much more than that. It begins with that. And yes, It is that. The gospel is the message of salvation. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. But if you study the gospel, you will see what Jesus says we must do to come after him. In other words, to be a disciple, a student, a follower of Jesus. 
It's again, it's more than a than a, a message of salvation, but the gospel, the gospel message is a message of total surrender to Jesus. Now I want you to get that. Again, the gospel, the whole gospel is a message. Of course, it's about the grace of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. But all of this can wrapped up by uh, be saying or wrapped up in, in one phrase by saying it's a message of total surrender to Jesus. Now, Jesus said in verse 34, if anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said he's got to do three things. Number one, deny himself. Number two, take up his cross. And that's daily, as we see. And number three, follow me. A disciple is not a disciple unless they are following Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is not a disciple of Jesus unless they are following after Jesus. Jesus says these two words, come after. If anyone wishes to come after me, he said. This literally means from the original language, to come or to go. And I know that's simple, but it makes it so clear. To come after Jesus is to go where he went. To go after Jesus is to go where he's going. So again, to come after Jesus is much more than praying a short prayer. It's more than reserving a place in heaven, but it's literally coming after him. You see, Jesus is talking about something that begins the very second a person receives him. You know, we have this concept again that the moment we received him, we're saved from hell. And we are, thank God for that. But the moment we receive Jesus is when we begin a relationship with him that we walk through and with him throughout all eternity. See, Jesus, when he's saying, uh, if anyone wishes to come after me, it begins with knowing him, but that's only the beginning. He's talking about the Christian You're not going to hell. Thank God for that. You will be going to heaven. But I also want to be honest in telling you that the moment you get saved, this is God's will for you. This is the plan for you. And here it is, that you begin to walk with Jesus that moment and you walk with Him every hour of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year for the rest of your life, every decade for the rest of your life, and throughout all eternity. You see, Jesus didn't come just to save you from going to hell. He came to save you from going to hell, but while you live this life on this earth, He came to deliver you from the power of sin that had controlled you and caused you not to serve Him before. And now that through the cross and the blood of Jesus that you're delivered from that sin that once controlled you, now you submit yourself to Jesus and willfully... you is a better way to put it. So, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, this is what that means. If anyone wishes to come after Jesus, then they must say what Jesus said. In other words, they must talk from that point on. They must learn to talk. 
Because the walk with Jesus is, is an ever-learning process. And the more we learn the Word of God, the freer we become. The more powerful we become uh, in His army and uh, for His purpose. So to come after Jesus again means, number one, to say what Jesus said or to say what He is saying by learning the Word, to do what Jesus did while He was on this earth by learning in the Word what He did through obedience. And then, number three, to end up or arrive where Jesus is. Man, that's exciting. I might just get excited before I, <laughs> before I finish this. So I'm going to say it again. To come after Jesus means, number one, we, we need to talk like Jesus talked. And that's a learning process. Number two, we need to do what Jesus said. That too is a learning process as we learn the Word and apply it in our lives and do what He said. And number three, we end up or we arrive where Jesus is because we are coming after Him. So, now, there are three ways, according to Jesus, that we come after Him, according to Mark chapter 8. Again, verse 34, If anyone wishes to come after me, he says, he must deny himself. That's number one. Number two, take up his cross. And number three, follow me. That's more than just a simple little prayer saying that, hey, you know, if you died tonight, or not the prayer, but a little statement or our presentation that says, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Well, we all need to resolve that first. Nobody's disagreeing with that. But what we need to say more than anything when we preach or teach the gospel is, that's the beginning, my friend. <laughs> Jesus gives us three things that we must do as from the point we receive Him, we begin to walk with Him for the rest of our life and actually throughout all eternity. Jesus said, number one, we must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves. Man, I'm telling you why. It, it even hurts a little bit to say that. Because nobody likes to deny their self. But we have to understand that self is one of the very things that Jesus came to save us from because He denied Himself. Jesus denied himself, the scripture says, and became a bondservant. But he denied himself, yes, because he loved you and me, but even more so, he loved his father, the one he became a bondservant to, and wanted to please him by doing whatever he told him to do. Philippians 2, 7. But he emptied himself, Paul says, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. It's just, I'm going to take that little verse out of there. So Jesus denied himself and he became a bondservant. He emptied himself. He laid aside his kingly privileges in order to become a human being and a bondservant to his father, Father God. Again, nobody likes the, the term to deny oneself because it as Jesus has already given you. I hope I said that right. When What you give up by denying yourself, you get a whole... It's replaced by so much more from God's kingdom by the King Himself. And that's incredible. So now, if Jesus became a bondservant, you can read that in Philippians chapter 2, so we should also become bondservants to Jesus. A bondservant. A bondservant is one who has given up their whole life to serve a master. 
I mean, they've yielded everything to the master. In return, the master leads, guides, directs their paths, supplies all of their needs, and takes care of them as long as they live in a natural sense. Well, with Jesus, it's forever. Thank God. And if Jesus denied himself, then we should deny ourselves as well. And we can deny ourselves because Jesus came and denied himself by going to the cross and breaking those powers over us of sin that controlled us before. He set us free from sin. And now we're yielded, or we should be yielded to Jesus because of what he did. Now listen, denying ourselves is vital for us to be a bondservant to Jesus and to come after him. You have to deny yourself. You can't expect to receive Jesus so you'll go to heaven and then expect that you that his will for you is to just continue living the life you did, not ever changing, not ever giving up sin or denying yourself or letting him deal with that old man in you that it should be dying daily, should be being crucified daily, the word says. It's much more than that. We have to deny ourselves in order to come after Jesus. Denying ourselves is the first step into being a start, uh, it's the first step to being a follower of Jesus. Now to deny oneself from the original language means to literally disown yourself. Wow, that that sounds kind of like uh cruelty, you know, to yourself, not respecting yourself. No. You respect yourself enough to deny the selfish part of you, the old man, and and enhance the new man that's created in the image of Christ by following after Jesus and, and having daily prayer and communication and, and feeding of the Word of God so that you grow in Him. And a bondservant is not his own. I've already talked about that. When you become a servant of Jesus, when you become saved, when you say the sinner's prayer and somebody tells you that, hey, the only only reason you need to pray this prayer is so you won't go to hell and you will go to heaven. Let me tell you, if that ever happens, know this. When you pray the sinner's prayer and you accept Jesus into your life, you are no longer your own. Is that bad news? Absolutely not. All Jesus has from you, for you from that point on is good and God. So the first thing we must do in order to come after Jesus is number one, deny ourselves. Number two, take up our cross. What in the world does it mean to take up your cross? Well, think about this. Jesus took up his cross when he went to Calvary, to the, to the cross, to take our sins upon himself, die to those sins, come up and live to God three days later, causing us to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus when we accept him. He did it. He humbled himself as a human being from heaven as he took up his cross, the cross of Calvary. And then Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus took up his cross. Therefore, we should take up our cross. What is our cross? It's the fact that we deny ourselves and submit to Jesus, submit to his word, to submit to him in prayer, 
and we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, and it's called sanctify us, make us and create us, and, and renew our minds in a such in, a, in, in such a way that we become more like Jesus. Jesus left His glory. He denied Himself. He took up His cross. And so we can deny ourselves. And as we take up our cross daily, that just simply means we allow our flesh to be crucified daily. Paul talks about that. But in Romans 6, 10 through 11, Jesus took our sins upon Himself. <coughs> excuse me. And He died to those sins on the cross. And in Romans 6, 10, and 11, here we go. For the death that He died... He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, one way that you can crucify yourself daily or take up your cross daily is to consider yourselves every day of your life as you submit yourself to God that you're dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And Jesus works. Holy Spirit works in us to make us more like Jesus. So if Jesus took up His cross, then we should take up our cross as we walk with Him daily. You see, to take up our cross again is to put to death our flesh slash self on a daily basis. And the third thing Jesus said, number one, of course, was deny ourselves if we want to come after Him. Number two, take up His cross. And number three, follow Him. You say, isn't that coming after Jesus? That's part of it. But to follow Him is to do what Jesus did. Jesus was a bondservant to His Father, and He sought only the will of His Father, not Himself. I think you would agree that Jesus, when He was on this earth, and He taught you know, from the Sermon on the Mount to the Olivet Discourse, um, just to the fact that he went from village to village teaching and proclaiming the word, I think that you can agree with me that his teaching was phenomenal, that it was powerful, that even, even right then before he went to the cross, people were set free by the teaching that Jesus did. I remember the, the incident with Mary and Martha. You know, Mary um, was... Uh, real intent on sitting at the feet of Jesus when he came to their house. And so she kind of shirked her duties of preparing the meal and everything. And then her sister Martha was in there banging around in the kitchen and getting things ready. And she had had enough. So she came and she she interrupted the master when he was teaching. And, and, And can you imagine Jesus teaching the powerful words you know, the words flowing out of his mouth and people, including Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's probably the only woman in the room, which was kind of out of order anyway, but she, was, she wanted to hear what Jesus had to say because she was feeding on his words. Martha came in there and she interrupted everyone and said, Master, don't you know that she should be in here helping me? She's left me to do all the work. Make her help me. <laughs> I can imagine how disrupting that could have been. And Jesus' response to Martha was just simply, Martha. You know, I mean, he had a way that he pronounced uh, her name that basically calmed her down. They were friends. He says, Martha. He said, you are worried 
and you're upset and you're distracted by so many things. And I think he was really reading her mail and explaining her lifestyle, but this was just one example. And he said, on the other hand, Mary has chosen the good part. And the good part was to sit at the feet So Mary had chosen the good part. That's incredible. Well, to follow after Jesus is to do just that. You see, again, Jesus was a bondservant to His Father, and when He was on the earth, everything He existed to do was only the will of His Father. Jesus did not do anything on this earth that resulted from His own will. And someone may say, well, wow, that's kind of wimpy, isn't it? No, that's true servanthood. That's true submission, total submission to a master that was the best master that ever could be. The only thing that Jesus did that I know of that was out of His own will that opposed the will of God was simply in the Garden of Gethsemane the night He was arrested when He basically said, Father, if there's any other way... Let this cup pass for me. If there's any other way to do this. Because he literally dreaded, number one, of course, the physical torture, but more than anything, the fact that he would be separated from God when he took the sin of the world upon himself. And, uh, and, and, and that's okay, because Jesus, after wrestling with this, said, you know what, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, that was just one time for Jesus. How often do we wrestle and struggle with God's will for our life because we're caught between our selfishness or our own will and God's will. But, you know, God is always pleased when, when, when the end result is, and hopefully we don't wait too long, that we say, Father, not my will, but yours be done. <laughs> That's what a bondservant is. And Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 28. He said, when you lift up the Son of Man, in other words, when you crucify me, then you will know that I am He. And watch this. I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. I love that. Jesus was a total bondservant to His Father. Now let me tell you something. I don't believe that Jesus was a bondservant before He came from heaven. Jesus denying Himself required that He leave His glory, that He lay aside His privileges and empty Himself. And it says in Philippians 2.7 again, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. I mean, Jesus was the second uh, person of the Trinity. He, he, he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. And I know the... is the second person, but I mean, Jesus, if you really study the scripture, you see that under God's authority, Jesus created the worlds. He was the one that spoke the worlds into or the world and the universe into existence. Hebrews says that he upholds the world by the words of his power. I mean, Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace. And after going to the cross and obeying God as He did and totally surrendering to God, the Scripture says that God exalted the name Jesus 
high above all principality and power and might and dominion, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. You know, that's the result of Him being a bondservant. But I want you to understand, He was not a bondservant. He had to become a bondservant before He came to this earth. And while He was on this earth, He had left His glory, laid aside His privileges, emptied Himself, uh, made Himself a bondservant to God, and humbled Himself into humanity. And man, what an example So that's why when Jesus was on the earth, he said, I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak as the Father has taught me. And in verse 29, well, the next verse of John chapter 8, Jesus said, He who sent me is with me. That's that's pretty powerful right there. When you become a bondservant to Jesus by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after him like Jesus did, when you become a bondservant, He's with you wherever you go because you're yielded to His presence and His power. And Jesus said, He who sent me is with me. But watch this. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Listen to me carefully, my friend. You can always do the things that are pleasing to God if you take up your cross, deny self, and follow after Him. If you come after Jesus... That kind of sums it up. You always do the things that are pleasing to Him because you're following after Him and you're letting Him move in your life. Now, I pray this is an encouragement to you today. As I close, I just want to say again that the whole gospel is more than just the message of not going to hell and going to heaven. The whole gospel includes everything that we have to do when we accept Jesus, or everything we are, and everything that we must do to to follow after Jesus. Again, I'll, I'll leave you with this scripture. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow after me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. He's talking about if you surrender to Jesus, if you accept Jesus and you surrender, you totally surrender to Him, and you really do it on a daily basis, not you don't get saved every day, but you submit yourself to Him, you become a living sacrifice unto Him. In a sense, that the life you have now, you will, you will live forever as compared to what you had. You see? And it says here in verse 36, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? I'll answer that for you. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Nothing. But here's here's an opposite question. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen to me carefully. Everything. (laughs) Everything. You see, so to, to let self-control you and not follow after Jesus and not, not deny self, not take up your cross, not come after Him, it profits you nothing. But when you do deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after Jesus, you gain everything. You gain everything.
Everything. So my, my encouragement to you today is to sell out to Jesus. You may already know Jesus, but sell out to Him. Surrender your life to Him. You know where you need to surrender your life. You know the things that you do that are unpleasing to Him. If you're a Christian and you've been walking with Jesus, especially any time, you know those things that come between you and Jesus. You know, God, He called you to do great things for Him. He called, he called you to be a vessel and a, and, a, and a conduit, if you will, through which Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit do great exploits in your life and others' lives. No believer, no person born again of the Spirit of God is called to be ordinary. None is called to be insignificant. You know, I'm learning this too, and I'm applying this every day of my life, becoming more and more surrendered to Jesus. I'm denying self. You know, do I always deny myself? Well, no, and neither do you or anybody else, but we know that we should, so therefore we go to God on a regular basis and we pray intently for Him to control our lives or lead our lives as we submit our lives to Him. And you know what? He does it. He does it. And so, be encouraged. God has great things for you to do, especially in these last days when the darkness is so great. But what it requires of you and me is that we totally surrender to Jesus. Uh, We don't look at the world as business as usual. And even our walk with Jesus is no longer business as usual, status quo, you know. But instead, we realize that God has great things in store for us that require us to, to, to put ourself down and allow that spirit man in us to be enhanced and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. As a result, we will do great exploits for God. And remember, they're not for our glory, but they're His alone, for His alone. Thank you for logging on. We'll be back a little bit later with some more teaching. I pray this has been a blessing to you. You have a blessed day and may the Lord bless you.